Welcome to Retina in Focus, a VRC podcast. Stay ahead of your eye health with insights from the nation's leading doctors in retina and macula care. For more information, visit vrcny.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to another episode of Retina in Focus. My name is Philip Ferron, and I'm a partner here at Bitch Retinal Consultants of New York, along with another partner of mine and colleague, Dr. Jessica Lee. It's our pleasure to join you today to speak about pediatric retinal disease, as well as some adult retinal disease that we both treat. We both have a fond interest and a particular focus in pediatric retinal disease. And Jessica, you've been doing this now, specifically pediatric retinal disease for almost a decade. Yeah. What are some of the joys and challenges that you've come across in your relatively long career dealing with these challenging cases? So there's a lot. (laughs) You know, mostly I do treat mostly adults, but I'm really thankful for my ability to treat pediatric patients because it's so rewarding to treat any type of blinding eye condition, adults or children. But in children, the stakes are so much higher, right? They come into us as newborn babies. Sometimes I see babies day one, day three of life, and the staff will be like, Dr. Lee, are you going to see a baby so small? I'm like, yeah, we have to see them. And it's incredible how just from our training and the advancements in surgery, what we're able to do, we could really take a baby who might otherwise stay blind for the rest of his life. And that just doesn't impact that baby's life, but a full family, right? A full generation. And, you know, it's not that we can treat all conditions, but there are like a lot of conditions where if we intervene early enough and if we operate soon enough appropriately, we can give vision back. And it's rewarding when we do it for adults, working people, you know, adults in their older years, but for a baby, I mean, like parents cry, it's like unbelievable how rewarding it is. But I would say the challenges, as you know, there are so many because I mean, it's hard operating on an eye, let alone a baby eye, right? So the instruments have to be smaller, the techniques have to be a little bit more elegant. And there's a lot of challenging aspects, but I would say the rewarding aspects keep me doing what I'm doing, right? And you've been doing it for 30 plus years. And (laughs) yeah, it's been a long time. Like, what would you say are some of your most rewarding cases? Well, I agree with you. I mean, lately for me, it's when I have someone come in who's 25 or older, and I remember them when they weighed one pound and were this big. And now they're six foot two and (laughs) fully functioning and have excellent vision and just come back to get their checkups and are doing so well. It's fantastically rewarding, as you said, and it's rewarding to fix anyone's vision and help them. But as Again, as you just stated, when you help a baby or a young child, it's a multiplied effect because if you take that individual and make them fully independent visually and fully functioning visually, that saves really the mother, the father, the siblings, cousins. For saving a full family. Yeah, for sure. It's really a a very special, rewarding feeling. And uh, I think that's why we do it, because we both know how tough it is to do. And it's much tougher than dealing with any complicated adult patient that I've ever come across. Yeah, definitely. Because the stakes are just so much higher. And just even the disease processes. So a lot of what we see are trauma. And so just this month alone, we had a baby 
you know, with a screwdriver accident, you know, wires to the eye, you know, football injuries to the eye. And yep. whenever there's trauma involved, you take a normal eye and just becomes so much more complex so right. that the surgery becomes more challenging. But yeah, likelihood of scar tissue formation increases dramatically, which can redetach the retina. And also in some of these small eyes that are half the volume of an adult eye, just to remind everyone, we operate inside the back of the eye. So when you take about, when you take half the volume of a normal adult eye and you're operating in that space and the retina is detached off the back of the eye, you don't have a lot of room to move. And that's like another half, technical, like yeah, another technical challenge of what we do. In addition to with children and babies, a lot of the issues we see are developmental and the anatomy is not normal to begin with. So you're trying to put together a structure that really never had all of the full complement of normal anatomy in the first place and get it back working maximally. And I think that's one of the more challenging aspects of what we do. And sometimes these babies, when they have eye problems, they have other issues with the rest of their system. So it's not just the eye, but the parents are tackling a lot of systemic conditions where they have lots of other doctor's appointments. So it's really taxing on not just the patient, but the family that has to, you know, really, they have a lot going on. A lot of our babies, they have breathing issues, they're tied to tubes. And, but that's why if we can save their vision, it really helps them develop you know, better in so many other right. ways too. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very challenging and rewarding subspecialty. And, you know, that goes along with what we were talking about earlier about there really aren't many places to train in the country that see a diverse selection of cases or significant volume of cases yeah. in pediatric retinal disease. And that's, again, one of the access challenges, I think, for a lot of our patients yeah. where you can go to a place where they may do some volume, but to really have a significant volume is a, another story. And we're fortunate to have a very good volume of cases, which adds to our clinical and surgical experience here. Because like, I have patients who come from upstate New York, right, from Rochester, from if we can't take care of them, sometimes it's they have to go to Cleveland or Boston. And, you know, it's surprising. And you don't really realize it until you're in this field. But most people don't have retinal problems. Most kids don't have retinal problems. And if you have to try to find a pediatric retina specialist, I have patients who are really at a loss. Like if they don't find us, they're like, it takes a month to even figure out where to go, right? right. So it's hard enough to find a pediatric ophthalmologist yes. these days yeah. because there's a shortage of pediatric ophthalmologists, never mind pediatric retina specialists. But thankfully, in our practice, we have photographers who are experienced with taking care of pediatric patients. Our staff, our OR is always accessible. So right. thankfully, we have a system that's in place that allows us to take care of these really complicated cases. Right. Excellent pediatric anesthesia as well, which yeah, is so important. Very, yeah. yeah. And we have access to excellent pediatric ophthalmologists as well, which help us with refractive issues to minimize amblyopia in these patients or lazy eye, which can develop in some of these patients with severe retinal disease. One thing I think is interesting is if I have a surgical day where I do a few babies or children with complicated issues, and then I have some adults who also have complicated issues, it's unbelievable how much easier it is to do the adults with <laughs> yeah. yeah. complicated yeah. retinal yeah. issues yeah. after operating on a few complicated totally babies agree. or 
for children. I totally and agree. And it just gives you good perspective. Yeah. Because I'll have patients. What's complicated. Yeah. I'll have adult patients who come in with a relatively moderate issue and they'll ask me, do you feel comfortable? And I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like, of course, like this is so much more straightforward than a complicated baby eye surgery, right? right? So it's it puts things into perspective. Like, Yeah. And that goes with regular run-of-the-mill age-related disease or trauma disease or trauma injuries where you know when you do a kid it's one remarkable level of severity and when you do even the most significant trauma in an adult it's just a lot easier yeah yeah completely agree and then with the exams in children they're not always maximally cooperative yeah how do you approach a child who maybe more challenging or less cooperative to examining what's your threshold to do an exam under anesthesia to get an exam that you're happy with and feel comfortable with? I think it's a fine balance because we want to, you know, obviously minimize any type of anesthesia any baby has to undergo. But it's also really important that we get a full thorough exam done. So, you know, babies, a lot of times, actually, the smaller the baby, the easier it is to examine them. So little babies, we can often get a good exam in the office. But after the age of, I'd say, one and a half or two, when they get a little bit stronger, if, you know, we can't get a good exam, we have to weigh the pros and cons of anesthesia versus getting a good exam. And so I think it takes a lot of experience to know exactly when an exam under anesthesia is warranted. And we can get a lot out of that exam. And not only that, we could also treat at the same time. Right. And that exam usually you can do in just a few minutes mm-hmm. because there's full cooperation yeah. under anesthesia. Yeah. And during the anesthesia where, you know, we have a lot of state-of-the-art equipment, we're able to take fundus photos, we're able to do fluorescein angiograms, things that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise, even if the patient cooperated in the office only because of how small they are. Right. Indirect laser. Yeah. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think another remarkable thing that we run into that most rental specialists who deal only with adult disease don't really see is the inherited retinal disease spectrum. Yeah. Whether it's the Stargardt's like inherited retinal dystrophy. Retinitis pigmentosa. Yeah. The dystrophies, inherited retinal dystrophies, or congenital stationary night blindness, or a more surgical disease. Like exlic retinoschisis and right, so chorioretinocolomomas, yeah. optic nerve pits. Stickler's syndrome and related retinal detachments from Stickler syndrome, lattice degeneration with atrophic coles and retinal detachment, and that whole spectrum that really adult only retinal specialists, I think, rarely see. And I think even less commonly operate on. Yeah. And what I really like with our practice is that it's so streamlined. Usually people think, oh, how do you even manage a genetic? retinal condition. And oftentimes there's no treatment as of yet, but we're able to offer genetic testing on the same day as your visit. So oftentimes it just takes swabbing your cheek. It's a send out test, but we're able to offer it to all of our patients when they come in and it really can provide a lot of answers. And thankfully I started my training when this became readily available. But I remember in the first few years they had to come back, we had to order the kits, but now we have them and our staff is trained and it's been really treatment diagnostically paradigm shifting that we're able to get these tests and these answers so quickly. Yeah, it's really a service and you can condemn diagnosis. And then once you know the genetic problem, when treatments are developed, that they're readily accessible to notify those patients if we think it's in their best interest and then consider either trials or uh, proven treatments. Yeah. 
And just, you know, this is goes ties in perfectly with our new research center where we're part of a Stargardt clinical trial testing and we have patients that we see that are for the first time ever being or being offered treatments for the first right. time ever for, you know, I remember just even five years ago, I'd have to tell my patients, sorry, there's nothing that we can do for you, but if something comes up, we'll keep you in mind. But that time has actually come for Stargardt's disease. Right. It's really yeah, it's super exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's more common than a lot of people realize. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's We're very fortunate to have access to that and be able to offer that to patients. So I think that wraps up our session on pediatric retinal disease. We're looking forward to coming back and talking about other interesting topics. And have a good day. Bye-bye now. Goodbye. Bye.